Welcome into the latest edition of Fighting Irish Wired, the podcast hosted by Nick Shepkowski in conjunction with USA Today Sports is Fighting Irish Wire. FightingIrishWire.com, where you can always go for all things Notre Dame. A pleasure today, as in this episode, it's a man of folklore in Notre Dame ranks and also an inspiration to the movie Rudy, but an inspiration to anyone that ever had a dream, a dream worth chasing, as we're lucky to be joined by the none other than the real-life Daniel Rudy Rudiger here on Fighting Irish Wired. Hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks always for listening. If you enjoy it, be sure to share it. Hit like, hit subscribe. Those things go a long way in helping this podcast grow. Hope you enjoy this and the interviews and information to come on more episodes of the Fighting Irish Wired podcast. Without further ado, here's my interview with the real-life Rudy Rudiger. Our first guest up on the Fighting Irish Wired podcast almost needs no introduction whatsoever. You do need to know who I'm talking to, though, because I don't know if his voice is that familiar for you. If you're in the Chicagoland area, you can see him speak February 23rd at Elmhurst University, the real-life Daniel Rudy Rudiger. He'll be talking about mental self-health care, reframing towards the positive, and much, much more. Elmhurst.edu, special events for free tickets to that event that I was told is almost certainly going to sell out. So make sure you get on those and get on those right away. Rudy, what the heck's going on? Happy to hear from you. How you doing, man? Yeah, we're in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. A little chilly here, which is, I like. Reminds me of the Midwest a little, but I'm glad I'm not where you're at. Okay. Yeah, I, I suppose that that is okay. I, there's a ton of things I want to talk to about with you. The mental self-help, self-care that I think that relates to everyone. The more and more they learn about themselves and the further life goes on. I, I want to start with the movie versus real life, however. And I don't need the, oh, this was real. This was fabricated. This was Hollywoodized necessarily. Right. I saw the documentary of you, The Walk-On. I, I don't know exactly every platform it's on. I saw it on Amazon or through Amazon. And let me just tell you, seeing the real story, the real connections, the real part play out, was it just too good for Hollywood to actually use the real story? And it was too far-fetched to have the guy that was on Sports Illustrated's cover back when he's a student at Notre Dame? Was that just too far-fetched for them to use? Or what the heck happened there? No, I thought they did a great job keeping the spirit of the truth. Because your your job when making a movie is to, one, entertain and keep the story moving. It's not a documentary, the movie. Remember that. It's the spirit of the truth. That's why it works. You have to connect what it's not a Notre Dame movie. It's not a football movie. It's a movie about life. It's a movie about dreams. But we use the platform of football, Notre Dame, and the dream. And I thought that was important. So you think about why you're making a movie. What's the purpose of making a movie? Deliver a message, a message of hope, showing wherever you're at in life, you can get to wherever you want to go if your mindset is right. If you're around the right people, if you're getting the right information, all that matters. But you have to learn how to fail, how to learn how to get rejection. You have to think good of yourself and have a real prioritize yourself and the things you need to do every day to make this work. Very hard, very difficult because we all lose that momentum as we get turned down or we get rejected or anything of the matter that will distract you from what you really want to do. But do you really want to do it? Or is this a fantasy? 
no, this is what I really wanted to do. So I was willing to jump all in and do whatever it took to get it done. And that's why the movie works. Yeah, that's certainly why the movie works. How did you get to that point in your life where you just, I mean, it didn't matter how many times you were told no, whatever it might have been. And I'm sure it still applies to you well, today, all these years later. How did you get to that mindset? Well, the mindset takes, what do you think of yourself is the key. How do you look at yourself? Uh, you have to feel good about who you are because people will steal your joy. They don't have a problem with that. They will steal your dreams because they see themselves differently than how you see yourself. And they could be negative people acting positive. They can be jealous people acting positive, envy, whatever it may be, or they could be narcissistic and they can't see you becoming that and they couldn't become that. It's all develops through your mind again. It's all mindset. It has just don't hang around the people that are going to give you negative thoughts. I call them goofy thoughts or thoughts that will tear you down. I had enough of that in high school. I had enough of that from teachers. And when I said enough is enough, I joined the Navy and I learned those guys, they didn't really care about me anyhow. If they did, they wouldn't treat me the way they treated me. So I learned if you treat people right, empower people right, you'll go wherever you need to go and do whatever you need to do and learn what you need to know in order to be what you want to be. So all that in itself, besides collaboration, besides, you know, connecting yourself with the positive field, the energy, it's very hard because you're distracted every day with weird thoughts, goofy thoughts, media thoughts, people thoughts. So you really have to departmentalize people, media, information and know what's good know what's bad now god's given you an instinct that's the key and i learned how to use that it's that's incredible advice of just trust your instinct i mean i heard it once from one of my buddy's dads used to always tell us his kids he's like why are deer smarter than humans yeah i'd be like how is a deer smarter (laughs) than a human i see him run towards my car when i'm driving what the heck are you talking about because a deer will always listen to its instincts and a human won't a human will sit there and question themselves and whichever else and i always thought it was like yeah you're right and i still do it i mean i do it as much as anyone so i it's a work in progress as i guess the kind of the story of life as as a whole uh one of the things that the movie touches on and really the documentary touches on very in depth is the importance of creating relationships, developing relationships, and then using those relationships. How did you kind of learn to approach the relationships that obviously paved such a big way into everything that that happened for you at Notre Dame, but also afterwards? Right. Common people. Uh, People that are just common people, ordinary people who cared, that empowered you. It wasn't the big shots. It wasn't the people who thought they were somebody can give you advice of why you can't make it. It was that little guy or that little secretary, that janitor that loved where they were at, who had gratitude and told you that. It's like when I worked at the power plant, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. Uh, You don't want to be here. So why are you here? You're living a miserable life. You know, leave, go after your dream. And the first thought was, I can't, I can't do that. They told me I couldn't. Well, 
you better change your mind, better look at life differently, look at yourself differently, was the advice I got from a friend of mine that actually lived in regret, but he learned from mistakes and he died at the plant. And that's what I made the decision. I'm not gonna live in regret and no more shortcuts. So that was the mindset. And when you develop that mindset in that energy field, people will come into your life that you'll recognize the little people that wanna help you. And they did. They, they showed you, they empowered you. They showed you how important gratitude was. They showed you how important where you're at in life is important. And you should work hard, have a good work ethic, and just get better each day. And you'd be surprised where you're going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, if you do that. Uh, just don't try to practice to be perfect. Practice to get better. You know, everyone says, you got to practice, practice to get No, that's not true. That's the most uh, poisoning information you could get. You practice to get better, not perfect. There's no perfect moment. Uh, people call it perfect, but it's not. Does that make sense? It, it certainly does. I mean, I'm sitting here nodding and, and listening in agreement yeah. with you entirely. I know a huge part of your message has been turning and reframing the negative into a positive. I, I know that's easier right. said than done, too, at least with consistency. I, I catch myself, I do it, and then I stop doing it. And then I wonder, oh, well, how come I've had a couple of bad days in a row? Well, I've just sat, sat right. here and kind of the, the things that you were talking about. They, you let them creep into your head. How do you, I mean, how do you practice that part of it? So it's not just a one or two time thing of, well, oh, this negative is a positive. How do you make it a lifestyle? Well, you have to get up every morning and and first thing you do is make your bed. That's first. That's, you're already doing something you don't want to do that you do becomes a habit. You have to develop good habits. And once you do that, uh, then like for an example, you want to eat healthy, eat healthy. What's well, uh, but I like that donut over there. Well, why the donut's not any good for you. Don't eat it. Okay. So my whole point is, uh, my whole point is we do things out of character because that's what we're told we should do. We do things in character. That's the hard part. Um, doing the things, working out, cleaning your house. I'm talking about simple things we can all do now. When you develop those type of habits, those habits, now you can be challenged with work habits and, 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 uh, you know, habits in school, study when you need to study. You don't need to study every day. You need to study when you're supposed to study. Get information, develop masterminds around you, people who want to help you. If you're not good at taking notes, get someone you know who takes good notes and let them teach you what that professor is saying or what that book is saying so you could study. And that was the difference because I had dyslexia. So I had to learn how to get information from people to a give me the information needed to know in order to do what I needed to do. And that's sometimes hard as well. But if you practice that in a good manner, I say practice, practice telling yourself, I need help. I need help. Everybody needs help. You can't do this alone. 1145 <laughs> Central Time, February 23rd, Elmhurst, universities where it's taking place go to elmhurst.edu and then click on special events to secure your tickets the tickets are free but you have to have one in order to get in and hear these messages and so much more i'm curious a little bit about your time at notre dame as well um I, the, the stories that obviously 
come out, whether it's the documentary, the movie, they speak for themselves. They are phenomenal. I'm curious about playing for for a coach before you got to Era, though, and before you got to Dan Devine, one that was your high school football coach at Joliet Catholic. He's a legend in that area down in Will County. Gordy Gillespie, what kind of impact did he have on your life? Because, yeah, he was a great high school football coach, but you're talking legendary baseball coach. Seems like anything that's... Anything that he tried to teach, anything he tried to coach, it certainly certainly paid off because anywhere he went and any sport it was, it seemed like they always won. Correct. And a lot of people don't understand Gordy's coaching. They think they do, but they don't. It's how to be just like Gordy. No, you can't be just like Gordy. You got to be you. I want to coach just like Gordy. Gordy knew how to empower someone. Gordy knew how to make you feel good and powerful. Gordy didn't make you feel bad, but he did put you in a situation and let you know, hey, we got to do better here. Uh, he didn't make you feel like you were a loser. He didn't make you feel like you couldn't do that. He always empowered you to think better. And that's why I love Gordy. No matter what mistake you made, he would never say, hey, why'd you do that? Say, okay, we'll get it next time. Don't worry about it. You know, just those little things are he knew how to coach. And a lot of people say, I'm going to be just like Gordy coaching. Well, they failed because they didn't understand he cared more about the person than he cared about the game. Well, and I think that's something that when it comes across coaches, that whether it's you follow college football closely, you get a lot of coaches that just stop being themselves, that they want to fit in this character almost instead of who they are. And then it's not surprising when they ultimately don't succeed. Well, it's all about money today. It's not about character building or developing young men today. Uh, it's about, if I don't like you, I'm leaving. <laughs> Pay me more. <laughs> Maybe we win. I, it, it's ridiculous what's happening today. It's sad, actually. You're not developing young men anymore. Um, the players will develop themselves. Uh, now, you get good coaches, don't get me wrong. You know, you look at a Tom Brady, for an example. He could be paid more, but he gave a lot of his salary up so other people can come in and support the system. But then you get other guys who want all the money. Well, I wonder why they don't win. Cough. They want all the money. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, cough, cough. I'm not saying any names. I'm just saying. That was me. Uh, I'll take that. I'll say it. Oh, that, that was, was me. You. That was me. <laughs> I don't go in dark corners. Uh, so anyhow, my hope, <laughs> my my whole point is, why is Tom Brady a winner? He's not that good. Oh, I think he's okay. Yeah, I mean, by the time he retired, well, maybe yeah. he wasn't as good. I he's think he's a, okay. Well, no, wait a minute. He's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete. Sure, Look at sure. Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Look at Mahomes. He can't do what Mahomes does. But he can now think he's got the people protecting him. He's got the people caring. He's got people doing that extra effort. You understand? Playing above and beyond their skill and talent because of how Tom Brady put his leadership into that system. That's what got, Now, it's what happened to him when he left New England. Sure. Everybody Belichick said it was. That good of a coach. Yeah. Bell, it's not, is it? No. And, and all I'm saying is is you get that one person like a Gordy or, you know, like an era, even Dan Devine that we portrayed him as a villain in the movie. 
he was being the coach they told him to be exactly what they told him he had to be and 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 he was a good guy but he was also the coach that came to Notre Dame that's saying you can't dress all these guys like Eric did because we have a rule now called the NCAA 60 guys can dress at home not 110 Eric promised all the seniors to dress because that was his um, gift to the seniors who gave their all every day. Now this rule of the NCA comes up, which was stupid. And they said to the kids on that team, I don't care how hard you work, you can't dress. That was ridiculous. Yes. And that's what Dan Devine had to portray. And a lot of people misinterpreted that. He was only going by the rules. You know, but then again, the kid goes in and gives up his uniform. One kid, one captain went in, talked to the defensive coach, and then they talked, and the one kid gave up his uniform. But in the spirit of the truth, we wanted to show the support of the team and why Divine was handcuffed. He even says it in the scene, I can't do it. I'm handcuffed. Uh, I got to stick. The NCAA only lets me dress 60 guys. Sorry. Uh, so, we don't, we look, we all, we misinterpreted, we misinterpret character. We misinterpret people's true uh, concern when we, that's why movies sometimes can misrepresent the character when they're telling the truth. Because uh, we're looking for the, oh, that poor little Rudy. No, no, it wasn't that poor little Rudy. Rudy went to practice every day and worked hard. He went to practice like he packed his lunch bucket and he went to work. Some of you guys go to work and you don't work. You're entitled to this. No, you're not entitled. You got to work. And that was the other message. And, you know, that came through differently. So I want to represent that work ethic pays off. And if you work hard every day, you'll be prepared for your moment that you always dreamt about. If you didn't go to practice and prepare for that moment, you would never gotten a tackle. Period. End of sentence. So that back doesn't to the... happen because. Go ahead. I right, no no go ahead. You you're rolling. I I'm sorry for no, jumping I'm saying, out. A, a coach. No no no. A coach cannot stop you from working hard. A coach could stop you from dressing or playing, but he can't stop you from working hard. But what's that really doing? That's developing your character, future life. You can allow a guy or a person to stop you from being what you want to be because he's in charge. No, you just keep working hard. Your time will come. And when it comes, you're going to be ready. That's it, the message. It, and that message is delivered clear as day for anyone that watches the movie. I Is it true that with going back to the 60 rule, dressing 60 rule, is right. it true that Montana, that Joe Montana's injury is what wound up no, getting you to dress? No, no. That's as ridiculous. I don't know where that came from. Why would they dress Rudy? And they would dress a quarterback, not a guy like me. You know, come on. Whoever said that, he's as goofy as you could be. That's as ridiculous as you could be, whoever said that. And that's not true. What's true is... Pat Sarb gave up his uniform, and Eddie Barr went in and talked to Coach Janto. Then they went to Coach Coach's mind and said, "We got a, a trust chain. One of the seniors giving up his uniform for Rudy, and Divine approved it." There you go. That's the truth, and we show that in the documentary. 
and we show Ross Browner, the late Ross Browner, get me in the game. Since his name come up came up, and I know that he passed here just in the last year, last yeah. two years. Is that right. I I I'm too young to have seen him play at Notre Dame, and then his career right. with Cincinnati. Right. I I have right. trouble believing there was ever a better defender than Ross Browner at Notre Dame. Am I wrong about that? Uh, oh, there's that that guy was he was. Uh, how can you how can you explain Joe Montana at Notre Dame? How can you you can't explain Ross Browner? He has that natural instinct, and he used it. He had that intuition, he had that feeling, and he used it. He had speed, he had accuracy of of practice. He practiced hard, but it all paid off. Joe uh, had some problems with my, with uh, Divine, so he didn't practice as hard. But he did practice. But it, Joe didn't have to practice that hard to be Joe Montana. He was on the scout team. He was a seventh-string quarterback. And how was that? How like, that happened? And, and you were there for some of yeah. those years, at least with him. You overlapped. Two years. How did it? Two years. Did you know at any point, like when he was the seventh-string running scout team, or even at seventh-string? Oh, you already saw. Oh, you already saw magic in that kid. I you watch. He was smooth. He was, he was a jokester. He loved the joke. He had a sense of humor. Uh, everything the joke to relieve the stress and pressure they give you at Notre Dame. Uh, and, you know, some of the coaches are get too serious and they, they, they have to like divine, like Parsegian had a sense of humor. He knew how to break that down. Every Thursday he had a skit with everybody. The scout team had a skit. The offensive team had a skit. Defensive team had a skit, you know, so he had to do a skit every Thursday in front of the whole team. So that, gave a sense of humor to the players and a good locker room connection where divine didn't do that. So that kind of ruined that, uh, that team unity, that team atmosphere and that team culture. Uh, so anyhow, when you get coaches, you understand all that has to work. You got to know when to joke, when to get serious. You got to let the guys have fun too. And, 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 you know, the good coaches do that. Even in the pros, they understand that. There's a coach at Philadelphia that understands that completely. You know, that, you know, all I'm saying, a culture that you create makes a team work harder and better. And what kind of culture do you want? You want a corporate culture? It's not going to work. Certainly. Um, speaking of Eric Parsegian, the, the part in the movie is that you barge through the secretary, knock on the door to introduce yourself. How did right. your first interaction go with, with Coach Parsegian? Well, well, okay, there's another connection here. I didn't barge into his office, but we had to do that for the movie. I hid behind a bush as he came up to his office in the morning. I was up all night trying to figure out how I'm going to get to Notre Dame because I showed up in the middle of the night finding out what more do I have to do. I know what I, I already know what I didn't do. I want to know what more I need to do. But anyway, make a long story short, I ended up at the football facility and when he pulled up, he just won a national championship. I froze. I said, I can't go talk to him. That's He's like God at Notre Dame. Well, I stood behind and something told me inside me, just move, Rudy. Be bold. And I moved and said, Coach, Rudy Rudiger, this is exactly. Rudy Rudiger, I was in the Navy, and I'm going to come to Notre Dame and play football. He said, you were in the Navy, son? I said, yes, sir. He said, where would you serve? That's our connection because he was in the Navy. I said, I, I got trained in Chicago. 
and I spent time in the Mediterranean six weeks. He said, oh, my goodness, that's where I trained. He's, but he said, hey, look, so you, you're not at Notre Dame? I said, no. Okay, when you get in, come and see me. That's all he said. And did he remember you then when you did come and see him once you got into Notre Dame? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I built relationships <laughs> with all the players. They already knew who I was. I boxed at Notre Dame. Everybody knew Rudy because I was a boxer. I entered, I was at a Notre Dame student government when I was at Holy Cross. So everybody got to know me differently. That's well, what you have to do. I mean, it goes back to your connections part of the building connections. That's all and, it and does. Not just building, and but maintaining. And, and people want, people will get behind you to win, just like the emissions. If, if I didn't go see the emissions every time I got turned down, they would not know me. They knew who I was. They knew what my, if I gave them the grades and gave them the right courses, I'm in. Because there's other students smarter than me. But I got in because they knew me. They knew I would, I had character. That's what, why it works. I mean, it's you're not just preaching it; you're practicing exactly what you would what you preach in yeah. this part as well. I mean, you mentioned Joe Montana a little bit ago. I mean, he comes off as Joe Cool right. for a reason. I mean, I remember the stories of him in the Super Bowl with the "Hey, that's John Candy." And then he goes and leads the game winning drive. I forget which Super Bowl n- number that was. Well, he he, he 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 didn't even suit up for the game I played in, and and years later, years years later, they asked him about it. He got sick of hearing about Rudy. Oh, that was a joke. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy was a joke. He he had to say something to to distract these guys. They kept asking him, "Did you play with Rudy?" He's a Hall of Famer. He has a little ego. Come on, guys. Yeah, how did that make you feel Everybody, when you had heard kind of some of those comments? Oh, I don't mind. I know Joe Montana. It didn't bother me. I don't care what people think. I know. I know the real deal. That's all that counts. It doesn't matter what people think. I don't care what you think of me. I know what I did. I know what I can do. And I know what the people that I developed relationships think of me. That's what's important. I don't, it, the rest of the world it, have a different perception of you. You're a pain in the butt. You know, what are you doing? You're a poser. I hear all that stuff. You're not a real football player. Oh, wait a minute. First of all, I, I had to be a student first. Be, you're right. I'm not a football player. I had to become a student first. Then I had to go and contribute to something great called Notre Dame tradition. I didn't say I was the starter, the All-American, the, you know, whatever, you, the academic all I'm, I first academically I had to get in, fought my way to get in. I had to fight my way to stay at Notre Dame, uh, because the GI Bill paid some of the bill. I had to work while I was at Notre Dame, do different jobs while I was at Notre Dame. So I had to hustle to make my ends meet, which didn't give me much time to have fun. But I did know this from being in the Navy. I was a little older, work hard now, play later. And a lot of people think they have to play now and work later. No, you work hard now, you can play later. It's a good way of looking at it. Um... One more thing here, a couple things, I suppose. You mentioned a little bit earlier about it being so much about money now. I can't help but wonder, right. what were your thoughts when Brian Kelly up and left like he did? That's his character. What does that say? You know? Well, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Money's more important. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. Money's more important. The, the money, when it becomes your, when it becomes, 
comes your drive, you're going to think differently, make worse decisions, get around situations you shouldn't be around because money's driving your moral compass. Stop. Money's not, you can't take it with you. You're gonna, why don't you just get enough money to live on and be happy? What's wrong with that? And give the rest to charity. Nothing wrong with that. Why do you want to be a rich guy? So you can show off your big house that you don't, you only live in maybe in the bedroom in the kitchen. That's it. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and you got, you can only drive one car at a time. Oh, why well, I drive, I fly privately. Well, that's great. They all want to be better than you, look more important than you. You see it all the time. That's not my culture. I go, pack my lunch bucket. I'm going to work. Can't take it with you when you go. That's that's all I know. That's all you know. That's all you need to know. You know, and all the things you, you're, you're collecting right now, who's going to fight over all that stuff, right? Exactly. I think my kids are going to want the junk that I've accumulated over the years. I I have trouble believing that. One more thing about the, about the movie before I let you go, Rudy. And this one always okay. this one always sat with me, and I wanted to ask you about this. You were a boxer at Notre Dame, sure. Bengal bouts, correct? Right. Bengal bouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bengal bouts. So in the movie, you go home for Christmas and show your dad your report card, proud of your grades. Wow, that's impressive. This is great. And your brother starts dating your ex-girlfriend. Did that happen in real okay. life? And if it did, no, no, did it, no, I no, have a feeling no, the real no, life it, Rudy wouldn't have just simply walked away and taken the higher road quite like he did in the film. Again, that's a movie, right? You got to show the decisions. You got to move on. It, it, it's almost like when I was in the Navy is when I broke up with my girlfriend. You know, she found another guy. Uh, so because you want to keep it make it dramatic make it your brother what's wrong with that just it's a movie you can do whatever you want I movies know. aren't true movies keep the spirit of the truth i understand i just thought that that was one of those of like even when i was like seven oh, no, I watched it the first no, time i was like man I know you this. do that to me i don't oh, even have a brother but you pull that many, on me i'm you're done yeah, pal yeah how many times does that happen though a lot <laughs> you know hey your brother's Hey, your brother's checking out your girl, man. What's that? <laughs> you know? I had six brothers, so it was sure. a natural progression sure. to do that. It was fun. So sure. we had fun with that. Rudy, I appreciate this. This was a ton of fun. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you stay well. Hope you stay enjoying Las Vegas. And uh, yeah, stay in and, touch, and we'll bro. be checking. You're a good guy. I yeah. appreciate that. My I brother, will. my one brother went to North Central. Okay, graduated. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I have a, one of my nephew there now trying to be an engineer. Excellent. I guess you guys are pretty smart. Yeah. Uh, that must have passed over me. I just must have known made the right person. Right, this thing's well, going to shut great. I appreciate that, Rudy. <laughs> that was a ton of fun. Thank you again to Daniel, real life Rudy Rudiger, for joining us here on Fighting Irish Wired. Again, February 23rd, 11.45 a.m. Central Time. If you're in the Chicagoland area, Rudy is going to be speaking at Elmhurst University. Used to be Elmhurst College when I was in school. Um, you mentioned it. You're here to mention North Central there, North Central College grad, class of 2008. It was Elmhurst College when I was there. It's turned into a new university now. Elmhurst.edu. Uh, click on special events. That's where you can hear Rudy talk about mental self-care, 
reframing towards the positivity that he spoke on a little bit there, inspiration, encouragement, and a whole lot else from a man who has seen and done a whole heck of a lot. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fighting Irish Wired. If you enjoyed it, I encourage you to pre please hit like on it or leave a positive review, leave a rating. Those go a very long way. And also, you sharing it with your friends, you sharing it with your counterparts, that helps as well. Until next time, I'm Nick Shepkowski. Hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Fighting Irish Wired. Until then, make sure you visit FightingIrishWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Network.